Ray, whenever you are. Oh, the finger guns. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, so we're recording. Whenever. Oh. Hey. <laughs> All right. So uh, I believe it is episode 29. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, welcome to Dying to Know, the podcast. My name's Lindsay. I'm here with my husband, Jimmy. Hi. And uh, because he always keeps the audio from the beginning in, as you heard before, it is episode 29. Sure is. <laughs> uh, and today we are discussing the Blood Countess, a.k.a. Okay. Elizabeth Bathory. What, what, what do you know about the Blood Countess? Anything? She's a countess. Involved with blood. I know jack shit. Sounds like a vampire. I'm assuming it's someone who uh, either drinks blood mm -hmm. or bathed in blood. Okay. Or is obsessed. This isn't the bitch that was like putting blood on her to keep herself young. Uh. Damn, that plane is loud. <laughs> Gotta love that. I don't know if uh, it picked up. It picked up, but just keep going. It is loud as fuck. Uh, so. Uh, you are correct on, on a few accounts here. So she uh, was known for bathing in blood, literally the blood of virgins, uh, okay. to maintain her, her youth, youth and beauty. Um, it was also said that she did... Uh, I think you were initially thinking of uh, Delphine Lalaurie. No, no, no. I know who that is. She painted her face with the blood, but the, the blood countess... Hers uh, was blood of babies, though, right? Was it? I thought it was just the blood of her slaves. Uh, maybe I'm just pulling from American it, horror because she did it with the she did it with the the baby of one of her slaves in American yeah. Horror Story, True. and I know obviously that's fiction, but it's based somewhat that story's in based reality. somewhat in reality. I am going to do her at some point, so okay. we'll we'll get into that eventually. But uh, so uh, this countess is known for, or she she's known fictionally for bathing in blood there's no actual evidence that she actually did but uh that it's what she's she's known, known for, for is having bathed in the blood of virgins to maintain her youth and beauty um she it was also said that she did essentially like paint her face every night with the same like the blood of virgins in order to do the same thing but uh that's not as well known um but yeah okay so we gon we go I feel like there was something else I was gonna say about her. I can't think of what it was right now though. So Gin. We we just gonna dive in. Alright. <clears throat> so sorry about the jingling. It was because your Lindsay talks at a low volume. So her mic, mic sensitivity is, mic is, is really high. So what you just heard, all that jingling was our dog scratching at her collar in the background. I had to take away your squeaker toy because every time we put on our headset, she thinks it's free reign to squeak her damn toys. To be fair, I'm pretty sure it was jingling pretty loudly because I could hear it in my headset from your microphone. So... Okay, then it was double. Yeah. All right. Okay, so uh, Elizabeth Bathory was born on a family estate in Royal Hungary. Uh, the Kingdom of Hungary. Okay. Uh, it, at the time was called Royal Hungary, but it's the Kingdom of Hungary. On August 7th, 1560. Okay. And spent her childhood, I'm going to call it Exed Castle, but it also looks like Esed. Okay. Uh, it's E-C-S-E-D. 
Okay. The said castle, uh, which was one of her father's homes. One uh, of. Yes. Okay. Uh, her father, George Bathory the Sixth, was a baron, um, which is a yeah he noble was title royalty essentially. Uh, aristocracy more yeah. so than royalty. Okay, but, fair enough. Uh, his brother Elizabeth's uncle Andrew was a voivode of Transylvania. Okay, which. Uh, a voivode is the highest-ranking monarch-appointed official in Transylvania. So he wasn't the ruling no. person, but he was their highest appoint. He was like their right-hand dude. Yes. Okay. Uh, Transylvania, Roma- uh, Transylvania, Romania, right? Is it in Romania? Here, it it is in Romania, but here Transylvania is its own thing. It's not... Uh, okay. It's its own kingdom. Okay. I don't think Romania is... Had been established yet. It might have been. I'm not sure. What I was getting at is, at this point, is Romania or Transylvania part of Hungary, or is it its own separate thing? I I believe it's part of Hungary. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I was just curious. Uh, her mother, Anna Bathory, was the daughter of another voivode of Transylvania okay. um, from a different branch okay. of, of, the, of the government. Okay. Um. And her uncle on her mother's side, okay, so her her mom's brother, uh, Stephen Bathory, was the king of Poland and the Grand Duke of Lithuania of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth and the Prince of Transylvania. Okay, so what you're saying is she was born loaded. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'd also like to point out that all of those family members had the same last name, even on her father's side. So, so incest. AKA lots of inbreeding. Well, I mean, that was kind of common at this time. Like well, yeah, people but... marrying cousins and shit like that, like to, to keep it in the family. It's still even gross. Though, yeah, it's still weird. <laughs> but basically she had a lot of important people in her family. She's She yeah, is she a was... high station in life. Uh, she also had an older brother and two younger sisters. Okay. Um, her brother, also named Stephen Bathory, would grow up to become a judge royal, which is essentially a chief justice, uh, which for where they are is the second highest judge position okay. of Hungary. So, again, lots of important people. Uh, while little is known about her childhood in detail, Bathory did suffer multiple seizures that may have been caused by epilepsy, which likely stemmed from the inbreeding of her parents. So, because okay. there's, no, there's no other indicators as to why she would have she it. She would be epileptic. Got it. Uh, at the time, symptoms relating to epilepsy were diagnosed as a falling sickness, and treatments included rubbing the blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of the epileptic person, or giving the epileptic person a non-sufferer's blood and a ground-up piece of skull as their episode ended. No clue whose skull, though. I don't know if it's the skull of a non-sufferer, if it's just a random skull. Did they kill someone? And then, like, I I don't know where they get the skull. So, ancient medicine baffles the fuck out of me. And I say ancient, but this is 15? You said 15 or 1600? Uh, 1500s. Okay, 500 years ago. 1560 is when she was born. Okay, so less than 500 years ago. 
And their thought to cure epilepsy was, hey, just put blood on their lips. I mean, they thought it was a blood disorder. They thought it was something to do with, like, an impurity in her blood. So giving her the blood of someone that doesn't just, suffer from it would help pure. I don't know. I, I know. It just baffles me. Like, all yeah. of it. Like, obviously, back it's, then, they thought it was science, and they thought it was the best way to do it's it. It's very but, interesting to think of, like, what we what we know today as, like, modern science like the the literally the advances it made in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. from from let's just rub some of this person's blood on her lips as she's having a fucking seizure to like the medications and things we have today that help that, prevent seizures. Yeah. It does make me wonder though like some of the the ways that we treat diseases and like in the future what are they gonna think that we were primitive about oh they're gonna think that like, we think is like the height of man, medicine we're, we're gonna find out like something super simple like cures, cures cancer, cancer <laughs> and they're gonna be like i can't believe they went you know so long without realizing it was this simple they literally zapped themselves with uh radiation radiation to cure this <laughs> all right we went on a weird tangent yes Continue. we did no 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 offense to the medical people. <laughs> you, oh no! You do good work. <laughs> yeah. Um. So obviously the the skull thing just I'm hung up on that. It's just weird. I, to I me. think it's it's probably like an animal skull or probably like. I wonder if they just kept skulls around for this purpose. Maybe. Like an apothecary kept skulls mm, for maybe. this purpose. Yeah. Uh, these treatments have actually led to speculation that Bathory's killings later in life were actually a part of her efforts to cure her epilepsy, which was viewed with a stigma at the time. It was actually like you were thought to be either possessed by the devil or that you were impure somehow or, you know, whatever, because you were having seizures and that wasn't a normal thing. Okay. Um, but of course, there's there's no actual hard evidence of that theory. It's just something people have thrown out there as a, like a possibility. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth's parents were Calvinist Protestants um, and invested in an education for all of their children, including the girls, which so, is not normal not at this normal. time. Uh, even for nobles, it, it wasn't normal. Girls were typically taught like manners and etiquette, but not actual like, like book learning academic things. Yeah. Uh, so as a girl, Elizabeth was taught Greek, Latin, German, and Hungarian, uh, and she was given a classical education, which encouraged deep thought, or sorry, deep and thoughtful reading and writing, and closely examined ancient Greek and Latin literature, history, and art. Damn. Okay. So yeah. she was she was educated. Yes. Like damn. Okay. Uh, she also enjoyed horseback riding, reading for pleasure, uh, and which was even more unheard of. Yeah, and playing dress up with her younger sisters. Okay. So, I mean... An, a, a normal, smart kid. Yeah. Okay. Besides the epilepsy. Exactly. Okay. Uh, she was essentially gifted from birth with wealth and education, but uh, for the age she was in, it was becoming more typical for the aristocracy of of royal Hungary, was for them to educate all of their children. Not oh, okay. Just the, not so just their, the their family wasn't... Like it was still, an outlier. No, it was, it was still considered progressive for them to do that's that. That's what I was going to say. Not everyone like, did, but it was becoming typical in their in their culture. It was starting to become cold, uh, yes. become typical. Okay. Uh, so despite 
the Ottoman invasion and a civil war, uh, Hungary still maintained a connection with the rest of Europe, and many of the nobles had Italian art and architecture imported to use in their castles. Uh, and at the time, libraries and literacy were becoming more widely spread. So it's, it's more common for people to be able to read and to be interested in that. Uh, the Nadazdi family were nobles that took full advantage of this and had their family home redesigned by Italian architects and gave their son, uh, I found, his name is different in a few different sources, but I'm going to call him Ferenc. Okay. Uh, in some places he's called Francis, but I like Ferenc better. Whatever. Um, so they give their son a humanist education, which basically uh, is... Like, the idea of it at the time was learn what you want to learn because all knowledge is good knowledge. Essentially. Anything you're interested in is good to learn about because... I, I mean, that's not a bad outlook. It's not. Unless you're interested in, like, some really, like, messed Fucked up, up shit, shit. Then, yeah. <laughs> then it, it, then it's bad. Yeah. Uh, the family also took pride in hosting eminent scholars in their home. In particular, they hosted authors who published the first Hungarian grammar book and the authors that translated the Bible into Hungarian. Okay. So they're they're up there too. They're they're still aristocracy. Uh, when Elizabeth was ten, the Batheries approached the Nadazdi family with an offer of marriage, Elizabeth to their son Ferenc, who uh, at the time was sixteen. Uh, the offer okay. didn't imply immediate marriage, but gave Ferenc the option of first choice if he wanted her. Okay. So essentially, when he's decided that he wants to get married, he has the choice of he has first choice of her. So even if she's got other guys lined up, if he decides he, he got, wants he to got marry dibs. her, yeah, if he decides he wants to marry her, then she's his. Okay. Um. Also interesting. Yeah. Because it's if he wants to marry her, mm -hmm. which granted is still fucked up because but she really is, has no choice. But, but he like is if, a, low, a slightly lower station than she and is. And not only so. that, but like at this time frame, it's usually parents, you will marry this person. Exactly. Like it's not usually like he gets to pick. Granted, she doesn't get to pick in the scenario, which is yeah. still screwed up. But interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um. So, Ferenc actually, at the time, did accept and agreed to marry Elizabeth, uh, especially because even by the age of 10, she had a reputation for intelligence, wit, capability, and beauty. So, she's smart, she's witty, she's, she essentially can hold her own in most situations, and she's pretty. Uh, the marriage didn't actually take place until Elizabeth was 14 and Ferenc was 20. Uh, in the time between, Elizabeth's education shifted from academic to more practical studies, and she learned how to manage the vast estates of the Nadazdi family. So she goes from everything she's learned before, essentially, to learning how to manage a household. Okay. Uh, during this time as well, she allegedly became, uh, sorry, began an affair with a peasant boy and became pregnant. Uh, she 14? Not or, yet. Not yet. Oh, uh, so they're not married yet. No. It's, be it's before their marriage. So it's while they're like engaged or yes. betrothed or whatever the hell it is. Is betrothed married? No. Betrothed is engaged. Okay. Uh, at the age of 13, 
she supposedly gives birth and a local woman that the Bathory family trusted was paid to take the child away to live in Wallachia. So just kind of like a put her up for adoption, essentially. Yeah, basically. Okay, him or her. Um, and for those that may or may not have read Dracula, Wallachia is where Dracula's castle is. Okay. Uh, so rumors of this illegitimate child only surfaced long after Elizabeth's death. And the rumors themselves were spread by peasants. So the truth of them is actually pretty unlikely. Okay. Um, so, uh, but illegitimate child or not, Ferenc and Elizabeth were married in 1574 in a lavish three-day festival with 4,500 guests. That sounds miserable. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then because Elizabeth actually had a higher social standing than Ferenc, she kept her maiden name and instead Ferenc assumed Bathory as his surname. That's kind of interesting. Uh, however, many people did still, like many people close to her, did still refer to her as Elizabeth Nadasdi as well. Um, so officially she kept her name, but people. Seems like. Granted, I don't. I'm not gonna pretend to be a historian here. <laughs> Seems like Hungary at this time, stupid progressive for a the bit, era. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, so Ferenc's wedding gift for Elizabeth was his entire household, including a castle situated in the Little Carpathian Mountains in what is today uh, Slovakia. Okay. Uh, the castle had been bought by Ferenc's mother as a gift for his father, who then transferred it to Elizabeth during their wedding, along with the Nadazdi country house, which obviously you can bet is still a fucking mansion, uh, and 17 adjacent villages. Okay. So, land and houses. Um... The couple lived a wealthy and privileged life, building a fortune off of the surplus of their farms due to a population boom throughout Europe. Uh, Ferenc participated in a few minor conflicts between Hungary and the Ottomans at the border, but besides that, for a while they lived in relative peace and stability. Uh, okay. The couple eventually had five children, three of which lived to adulthood. Okay, well, like we talked about in the last episode i mean for the time period that's common not unusual yeah for, for kids to die uh so they ended up having a son and two daughters okay and the other two children died young yes okay either i, I think either child one birth. for sure died uh not long after birth the other one i think lived to like adolescence but then died died probably disease or something <clears throat> sorry my throat is really dry you're fine Okay, so in 1578, Ferenc became the chief commander of the Hungarian troops, leading them to war with the Ottomans. While he was away, Elizabeth managed their business affairs and the estates, a role that was responsible for governing and providing medical care for the Hungarian and Slavic people in their domain. Okay, I was going to wonder what the like their businesses were. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when the Thirteen Years' War began in 1593, Elizabeth was also in charge of defending their estates, since they were so close to the Ottoman border. That's really interesting. Okay. Right? It's interesting. Uh, specifically, I'm going to fuck up this name, the village of 
I'm just going to call it set. Okay. But it's it's C S E J T E. Set works. <laughs> uh So this village in particular was in the most danger because uh it because it had been plundered by the Ottomans previously. So uh, there were actually actually several instances where Elizabeth intervened on behalf of destitute women, including a woman whose husband had been captured by the Ottomans and a woman whose daughter had been raped and became pregnant. Okay. So she essentially helps them. Was a woman of the people, essentially. Yeah. Uh... And then in December of 1603, so we're jumping... About 10 years ahead here. Okay, so uh, I, what year was she born? 1560. So she's 43 at this point. Yes. Okay. I, I'm trying to keep track of my head. Yeah. Uh, so in December of 1603, Ferenc returns from the battlefield terminally ill with an unidentified disease. Uh, the exact nature of this illness is unknown, but seems to have started in 1601 with debilitating pain in his legs. So there's records f- starting from 1601 that he was having these issues. Issues, yeah. Uh, from that point, uh, from the point where he returned from war in 1603, he never fully recovered. And in December of 1603, when he came back, he became permanently disabled. Uh, Polio? I'm not sure. Oh, they don't. They straight up, no one knows how, okay. like why, he, like what illness he had. Okay. Polio probably could have been a good indicator. Um, and then on January 4th, 1604, Ferenc died at the age of 48. Uh, he and Elizabeth had been married for 29 years. And in his will, Ferenc asked his friend, Giorgi Thurzo, uh, to care for to care for and look after his widow and their children. Uh, spoiler alert. This guy is actually the one who will lead the investigation against Elizabeth. Okay. When he says like, take care of her, does he like just kind of watch over her? Is yeah. He, like, basically is like, okay. Like, I didn't know if this was like old school, like marry you her. will, you no. will now marry her and, no. and run my No, estate. It was straight up. Just kind of keep an eye on her make sure that her and the kids are okay. Like, okay. So at this um, point, she hasn't gone nut nutso. No, like nothing crazy's happened. I, I mean, we're we're gonna get into some stuff, but yeah, but I'm just saying up to this point, nothing no. bonkers. Uh, the death of her husband was the first misfortune to hit Elizabeth. The second, not long after, was the death of her brother in 1605. Okay. Uh, besides the obvious emotional upset, these deaths also carried finan- Sorry, these deaths also carried financial setbacks. Okay, you said deaths plural. Yeah, her husband and her brother. Oh, okay, my bad. Um, Ferenc had often sent Ottoman treasures home to Elizabeth while he was away at war. Uh, so while the war had been devastating for Hungary as a whole, the couple themselves found their coffers overflowing with expensive items that were easily exchanged for currency that just added to their wealth. They was loaded. Yes. Okay. Uh with Ferenc's death, the influx of these treasures ended, and Elizabeth was forced to make ends meet on her own with the less profitable sales of their crops and wine. So, so she just didn't sell the stuff he brought back? I, I think the idea was that she was essentially selling them as he was sending them home. 
So uh, when he died, she essentially only had gotcha. Okay, what that, she had. That makes sense. Uh, the death of her brother meant that she no longer had access to the fortune of her birth family. Uh, her brother also died without any children, so a distant cousin in another branch of the Bathory family inherited over her. Okay. So even though she was the next born child, she because she's a woman... And she was married. And she was married. Yeah. So... Uh, while she struggled to fill the financial void, she was more successful filling the emotional one with her friend and companion, Anna Dorvula. Okay. Uh, Anna began living in Elizabeth's court in 1601, but almost nothing is known about her except that she was Croat, uh, so from, from Croatia, mm-hmm. and that she died of a stroke in 1609. Okay. Uh, she had a reputation as a witch, and according... I knew it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> according to uh, confessions from Elizabeth's servants later, she was the one who taught Elizabeth how to beat and torture young women and girls. But uh, torturing servants, particularly female ones, uh, became common practice in Ferenc and Elizabeth's household around the year 1590. So they had been fucking with their servants for a good 10, 11 years before she even came on the scene. Okay. The idea is that she was just the one that She's pushed evil, Elizabeth. She's the evil witch woman that was easy to blame. Yes. Okay. I think so. Uh, Ferenc himself had taught his wife a technique to, quote, play with servants that involved rolling pieces of paper soaked in oil between the servant's toes and then lighting the paper on fire. Okay, so now we're starting to learn that they a little fucked up. Yeah. Okay, I was picturing, like, up until they were 40, they were, like, this wholesome couple. Like, and... normal, right? Like, okay. they, they were just normal couple, normal arist- aristocrats. So no, they're, they're, they screwed in the head. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's uh, that attitude also wasn't uncommon for the yeah, time either because they're aristocrats. They see their servants as being it's less than them. Lesser people. Less or than not, human. Probably not even people, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so sadistic punishments were also not unknown uh, in their household, but Ferenc never let the punishments lead to death. It was only after his death, when Elizabeth and Anna grew closer, that the beatings became fatal with regularity. I'm not trying to be like, like when you say glo- grow closer, this wasn't like a romantic thing. They were just... No clue. Okay. I, I think it might have been romantic, personally. Uh, but there, there's okay, no proof. absolutely nothing to indicate that. That is purely my own speculation. Yes. Okay. Uh, so by 1609, Elizabeth was hurting not just for money, uh, but her staff was beginning to dwindle and rumors had begun to spread through the country of her inclination towards cruelty, okay. uh, especially because by 1609, Anna died of the stroke. So she's now lost essentially every everyone that she is close to her is close kids, to her besides still her in the kids. picture uh yes but they're adults so like they her daughters have been her. married no okay that's what i was that's what i was asking yeah her daughters have been married off her son is doing his own thing like it's so she is alone yes okay. uh her remaining servants were also said to abduct victims for her occasionally as well uh We'll get into a little bit, like, 
when I get into the later stuff, uh, you we any any confessions from her servants should be taken with a grain of salt. Oh yeah, because she was their evil master. She they're gonna blow shit out of proportion. Exactly, and people when when she gets in trouble for everything later, uh, people were looking for any anything to essentially vilify her more. So yeah, vilify her more, profit off the story. Exactly. Um. So uh, it like I said, some of the remaining servants said that they abducted victims for her to to torture as well, but I don't know how seriously to take that claim. Um, Her solution to gain more money and more victims for her violent hobbies was to start a gynecheum, which I don't, I think I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's how I'm going to say it, Uh, which although the word itself was originally the term for a women's sanctuary in ancient Greece, by the 1600s, it was also the term for a finishing school for young girls. Okay. Uh, which, and essentially it was a place where they would be taught proper manners and etiquette, as well as other languages and how to run a household for when they were eventually married. Um, so in exchange for a fee, Elizabeth would teach the daughters of lesser nobility, everything that would be expected of them when they were old enough to attend the Viennese court. Okay. Uh, so, so at this, at this point, Mm-hmm. She's all she's done up to this point is torture her servants. Yes. She hasn't killed anyone yet. No. Okay. Uh, not not sure. as far as I know. Um, her and Anna may have killed people, but we don't know. But no, we okay. we really don't know. Uh. So I lost my place. Okay, Vietnamese Vietnamese court. Although I said Vietnamese. <laughs> Viennese. Viennese. Uh, so although uh, servants and peasants refused to send their daughters to work for the countess anymore because of the rumors of torture and murder, uh, the lesser nobles did send their daughters mostly because they couldn't afford much else, like to send their daughters out of the country for that kind of thing. And an education from a countess was an opportunity that was really too good to pass up. Um, typically, countesses didn't do that kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, unfortunately, they were sending the girls to their deaths. Uh, within three weeks of arriving, every one of the girls was dead, and the Countess refused to release their bodies to the grieving families. Okay. So within three weeks, how many girls? Do we know? No. Okay. So this is like one group that all got there together, and then three weeks later, or is like individuals like one would go three weeks later she would be dead one would go three weeks later she would be dead uh, it's essentially a group that that it's all like a went class. together yes okay that's what i was that was curious about yeah it's essentially like a group of girls that she would keep in her castle and they would attend classes with her but they would also like, okay i didn't know if it was but like they would essentially tutoring. live no they would essentially live at the castle with her okay um sorry Can't find my place. Oh, there we go. Sorry. Uh, So according to testimonies at, uh, sorry, after her eventual arrest, uh, Elizabeth's victims ranged in age from 10 to 14 years old. Uh, The punishments described most consistently included severe beatings, brutal, sorry, severe beatings, burning or mutilation of hands, 
biting the flesh off of their faces, arms, and other body parts, freezing or starving to death, the use of needles to stab the girls, uh, burning them with hot tongs and then placing them in freezing water, and covering them with honey and live ants. Jesus Christ. Okay, so where did this these accounts come from? Yes. Witnesses. Essentially, okay. it could all the girls be servants. Died. Yeah, it could be servants. It could be people in the nearby area. It could be after they found the bodies. Other nobles who were visiting. It could be after they found bodies. Like it's okay. It's okay, I was just curious. Generally, just a lot of people. Uh, Elizabeth was also suspected of cannibalism. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, while the deaths of the servants and peasants by her hands had been ignored, the noble families took their complaints against her to a local Lutheran minister named Istvan Magyari. Okay. Uh, who then pronounced her atrocities, both who then essentially announced it to the world publicly and at the court in Vienna. Uh, the Hungarian monarchy and authorities took some time to respond to the accusations, but finally, in 1610, uh, King Matthias II assigned Georgi Thurzo, the, the the friend that was the one that Ferenc had asked said, in his hey, will keep an eye. to take care of his wife. Uh, the I king assigned him to investigate. I wonder now if, because you said uh, they were obviously like. He taught her how to, like, beat the servants. I wonder if keep an eye on her meant multiple things. Like, maybe he suspected that things were... So, the rumors that she was, like, killing people or that she, that she was intensifying the torture to the point that people could die, uh, those rumors started in 1601. So, before he around, died. Around the time that Anna got there and about two years before he died. That's what I'm saying. So I'm wondering if it's like, possible he, he had suspicions or whatever and was like, try to keep her out of trouble. That's what I was getting at. Like, yeah. Hey, watch over, take care of her, you know, trying mm -hmm. to put like, you know, okay, cool. So, uh, sorry, I keep side written. No, you're fine. I, I normally make this bigger so that I can find my place easier. And I didn't this time. Uh, so he's assigned to investigate, and by then he had become the Palatine of Hungary, which is the highest-ranking official and representative of the King of Hungary. Okay. So, big deal. Important dude. Uh, Thurzo ordered two of his notaries to collect evidence in March of 1610, and by October of that same year, they had collected 52 witness statements, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh. Some of the witnesses named relatives who had died while attending the Countess's gynecium. Uh, others reported having seen traces of torture on dead bodies, some of which were buried in graveyards and others in unmarked locations. Uh, one of the most damning statements was by a minister from a chapel in Elizabeth's domain and near her home, who had found the bodies of nine girls in the catacombs between his chapel and the nearby town. Okay. Uh, two court officials also claimed to have personally witnessed the Countess torture and kill young servant girls. Okay. So, so we've got... multiple. Yes. Got it. Uh, sorry, just seeing how far I have. Because it's, it's not a long... That's fine. It's not going to be a long episode. That's fine. 
Uh, on December 12th, 1610, Thurzo was given permission to arrest and imprison Elizabeth, but uh, as he had been friends with her husband and had been directed by Ferenc to uh, for, by Ferenc's will to look after her, he decided to try to give her one last chance. Uh, he, King Matthias, and several others joined the Countess at her castle to celebrate Christmas Eve that year. Damn, okay. So, so she still has a lot of pull. Yes. Yeah. She had, she had the fucking king at her house. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by this time, Elizabeth was well aware of the questions being asked about her and had taken some steps to try and protect herself. Uh, she had a statement from the mother of one of her deceased servants that confirmed the girl had died of an illness. So she probably paid her off. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, she also contacted her cousin, King Gabor Bathory of Poland, who, uh, sorry, for safe passage to his kingdom. So she's basically like, if shit goes down, can yeah, I come see you? Yeah, because at this point, you? her uncle, who was King of Poland, had passed away, or yes. Prince had passed away. Yeah. So her cousin's now in charge. Yes. And it's pretty much, hey, if shit goes down, I'm coming to Poland. Yeah. Uh, Thurzo also implied later that he thought she might have tried to poison himself and the king in an attempt in another attempt to protect herself although all that came of it was that both men were sick that one i don't really believe she might have poisoned them it might have just been under they had dinner with her they might have just gotten sick from the food that's, like that's what i was thinking i was i think it'd be too ballsy yeah, to to poison she's trying to cover the king her, and his palatine. She's, like, well, she's trying to cover her tracks now. Yeah. Why would she poison them? Exactly. Like, it doesn't make sense. Uh, so over the Christmas Eve dinner, Thurzo confronted Elizabeth with the rumors of her tortures and murders and asked if there was any truth to them. Initially, she gave her standard reply that all the deaths had been from disease. Uh, but when Thurzo pressed, she became angry and left the dining hall. And then... Uh, after that, they, like, they, I, it doesn't say that they pushed any deeper than that or that they searched the castle or anything. They just left. Okay. Like, they, they I, I assume they finished out Christmas and then went back to or Vienna. Or she pulled the, I don't have to take this in my own house, leave. Uh, I don't know that you ask the king to leave, though. Who knows, man? Eh, fair enough. Uh, so on December 29th, Okay. A few days after Christmas, same year, 1610, uh, Thurzo returned to the Countess's castle with a small squad of soldiers. In his report back to the king... Okay. <laughs> Tog randomly barked? Uh, in his report back to the king, Thurzo detailed that they had met no resistance as they entered the castle and began to search for Elizabeth. On their way... Down to the dungeons, the party found one dead girl in the hallway, appearing to have been beaten to death. Jesus Christ. When she's they, a dead body in the hallway? Apparently. When they reached the dungeons themselves, they found four of Elizabeth's accomplices cleaning up from a torture session with the victim still restrained in the room with them. So the victim's still alive. Yes. They're probably cleaning up blood and shit. Uh... They were, the accomplices were arrested and the victim was found to still be alive, if just barely. Like, she was... So when you say accomplices, are these, like, servants who she's having clean up after her? I couldn't really find a like definitive a... answer. Okay. They're essentially, like, I, I would assume either 
noble, but they they like they're not referred to as nobles in any okay of the sources. So sorry. I would assume they're either just. I'm sorry, I'm asking so many questions. Or, I, no, you're fine. I've it's never interesting. Heard of this. Um. So. Uh, they're arrested. The victim is alive. Uh, when they searched the castle further, the uh, Thurzo and his party found Elizabeth having dinner, uh, and she was immediately arrested. At first, they locked her in her own dungeons, but she was later moved to her room upstairs and kept under house arrest because okay. she's still aristocracy, and it's not normal to keep her in a dungeon. The dungeon, yeah. Uh. Thurzo debated the further proceedings with Elizabeth's son, uh, named Paul, and her two sons-in-law, Nicola the Sixth Zrinsky, okay, and Georgie Drugith, who are both. I mean, Georgie Drugith. I mean, they're both from noble families. Okay. Uh, a trial and execution would have caused a public scandal. Uh, it would have also um, been an issue. Elizabeth's influential family that ruled over Transylvania would have been disgraced and lost any of their social standing purely because they were associated with her. Yeah, and they probably could have realistically stand to lose not not only their social standing, but possibly their land. Exactly. Um, typically, anyone that was associated with with crimes like that lost their titles they lost their land they they Which were is so nuts because it like, didn't matter if you had no actual it. association with that person yeah um so uh and then elizabeth's considerable property would have been seized by the crown itself so i mean her and her, her entire son- extended family would have been left with nothing yeah uh, to prevent all of this from happening, Paul, Nicola, and Georgie made a deal with Thurzo that if he prevented Elizabeth from going to trial, they would keep the Bathory family from interfering with the investigation and whatever punishment was deemed necessary for her otherwise. Okay. So essentially prevent this entire public scandal from taking place. Do your investigation, do what you need to do, but we don't want it out in the public. Yes. Okay. Uh, the original plan was to secretly move her to a nunnery, but as more accounts of her murders of the daughters of the lesser nobility spread, it was agreed that she would continue to be kept under house strict house arrest and that further punishment should be avoided. Basically, they didn't want to punish her more and make it... And draw attention to it. And draw attention to it, and essentially without confirming, without confirming... That all of this stuff actually happened. Yeah, it's because they can, if they respond to the rumors, it makes it look like yeah, she did it. Exactly. Which she did, but yeah. Uh, but obviously to protect the rest of her family, they wanted to avoid all of that. So in the years following her arrest, uh, more than 300 witness statements were taken against Elizabeth. Uh, But there's a lot of debate as to how much of what was said about her was actually true. Most of the witnesses testified that they had heard the accusations from others, but hadn't seen anything themselves. Uh, Many of her servants confessed under torture from the court and were executed quickly after their statements were taken. Damn. Yeah, so that's why I feel like any of the statements made by her servants should be taken with a grain of salt because a lot of them were tortured and then immediately killed. So they 
they were essentially just saying what they needed to to stop being tortured. Yes, the problem with torture. And then obviously they couldn't take any of it back because they were dead. They were dead. Um <clears throat> so the accusations of murder specifically were was entirely based on rumors that had been circulating. There was no actual proof that she had killed anyone. Her specifically. What about the dead body in the hallway? But they had no proof that she did it. Yes. Gotcha. Uh though there are no physical documents to prove that anyone in the area that anyone in the area had actually complained about the countess uh, and this was during a time when someone it sorry when if someone was mildly harmed or something as minor as someone stealing a chicken like any minor offense would have been addressed with a letter of complaint it didn't matter if you were nobility a peasant anything everything was pretty much documented, documented. Um, and there's there's no actual proof that anyone filed a com- like a complaint about her before she was arrested. The noble's daughter started dying. Oh, okay. That's when the official like records begin. Yes. So supposedly she killed all of these servants and and but there's no all these servant girls and whatever. But there's no actual like like paper trail playing devil's advocate she could have also been paying people off that's true or threatening people i mean she's rich she could have people's land taken she could exactly i mean and anything's possible but i'm I'm just just, like i said playing devil's advocate uh so obviously the so it's like like i said it's it's just odd that she would have supposedly committed so much torture and murder for so long. Uh, we're, ta- we're talking saying. years. Uh, and no one wrote letters to complain about it before the noble's daughters oh, died. Oh, no, I, I agree. I don't I don't know if there anything, all that, any of that is based in fact. I'm just saying plain devil's advocate. Yeah. Because it also, like, it sounds horrible. I know what you're saying about a chicken, like, <laughs> with uh, a, like any minor a, offense. Any minor like, offense. But that's, like, probably, like, among peasants or people of your class like you're talking like lower class lowest class possible servants to a countess a countess high-ranking family they probably didn't want to lodge complaints yeah and obviously the the rumors themselves must have started somewhere yeah they they like rumor like i don't think they're completely baseless i i'm just saying i don't think they're okay fair enough as dramatic as people made them sound before you know uh so um uh sorry i'm i'm it's we went off off a tan on a tan we did <laughs> and we kind of like dabbled a little bit into what i'm getting ready to say so i'm trying to word it without repeating myself um so like i said the rumors had to have started somewhere but one supposed like quote-unquote witness claimed that they had been told by someone else that that person had seen a number a number upwards of 650 that they had assumed was a death toll count written somewhere in one of Elizabeth's private journals. So someone knows someone who saw a number that they assumed was the amount of people she killed. Yes, which allegedly was 650. Uh, however, this book, this private journal, was never revealed. And the person 
who supposedly saw it, never mentioned it during his own testimony. Okay. So, it's a bit fishy. Uh, well, it's, I mean, she became the local boogeyman. Yeah. It's like, yo, some, I know someone who said they saw <laughs> that she killed 650 people. Yeah. Well, I saw someone who said, it probably started off like, yeah, I heard she killed five people. And then, like, telephone, it's all set up to 650. Because exactly. everyone's trying to one-up each other. And yeah. everyone's trying to tell the best story. Uh, so the only trials that were held after Elizabeth's arrest were for her four accomplices, which saw three of them executed and the other one imprisoned for life. What did they try them for? Well, I mean, they caught them... Cleaning up. Yeah. So they pinned the beatings on them or they pin the murder on them of the chick in the hallway that's what i was asking i mean there i don't know okay. <laughs> there's only so much information i know i know i'm trying but, to trying to i was just trying to figure out because it's kind of fishy they're like yeah and i think the idea was that like even though she like they weren't they couldn't pin it on even her. though they yeah they weren't able to pin it on elizabeth these accomplices i don't think were nobles so they were able to basically I'm 100% convinced that's how they pinned the dead girl they found on them. Probably. To avoid pinning it on her yeah. publicly. Um, so Elizabeth herself was never brought to trial. Okay. Uh, she remained detained in her castle for the rest of her life until August 21st, 1614. Okay. Okay. Uh. When a guard found her food tray untouched and opened the door to her bedroom to find her lying backwards on her bed, her feet up on her pillow. Okay. Uh, and she was dead at the age of 54. Um, the exact cause of her death is still unknown, but the guard on watch from the night before uh, recalled that she had complained of having cold hands, despite the castle being relatively warm. And he had advised that she lie down and rest. Today, it's considered very likely that she just died of heart failure. Um, yeah, she was having lack of circulation. Exactly. Okay. Uh, she had written a will in 1610, uh, a few months before her arrest, and a month before she died, she signed the will, making it official, uh, which distributed her estates, lands, and possessions amongst her children. Okay. Uh, she was initially buried in... The Church of Set, the town on the border where she had helped the destitute women. Okay. Uh, but according to some sources, due to villagers' uproar over having the Countess buried in their cemetery, her body was moved and interred in the Bathory family crypt at her birth home in Ased. Okay. So... Uh, but the actual location, but that's that's just due to some sources. There, the actual location of her grave is unknown. It's an unmarked grave because they don't want people desecrating it, probably. Uh, and the church where she was first buried and her castle don't have any markings or documents suggesting where her grave might be. Okay. Uh, so I I have some some like outside information outside of like that whole story but that's essentially the story of elizabeth Bathory. okay so where'd the blood on the like painting her face with blood and i'm gonna get into that right here um i just didn't know if you wanted to talk about anything regarding like her life but i think it is interesting that they very much were just like hey you've been bad stay home basically that's literally what happened yeah i mean she was just confined to her bedroom yeah 
from what huh. I understand, like they made it sound like she was confined to like only her bedroom, but there were accounts that said constantly. that there were accounts that she was able to like wander the castle. That she wasn't just confined to her room; she was just confined to the castle. Well, they said the guard outside her room. Yeah. Well, I would so, assume that they she still escorted. had people guarding her. Yeah. She was escorted everywhere. But essentially, that. Huh. She was just on house arrest for the rest of her life, which wasn't assuming, very long afterwards. But and I'm pretty sure I'm assuming her her son's like, yep, this bitch did it, or her son and son-in-laws and son-in-laws. Oh yeah, they were, they were crafty. They were like, hey, don't let this go to trial. You do what you need to do as long as we get everything. Basically, and I, I'm sure part of it too was that like they probably had no way of proving that she didn't do any of it. So well, they, you they all had their own take, families. Yeah. If, if she went down, she was taking them with them. They were they were looking whether out for she their meant own to or not. But yeah. yeah. Okay, so the case of Elizabeth Bathory inspired numerous stories during the 18th and 19th century. Okay. Uh, the most common detail among these stories was that of the countess bathing in the blood of her victims and painting her face with their blood each night to retain her youthful looks and beauty. Uh, this legend appeared in print for the first time over a hundred years after her death in 1729 in a book called Tragica Historia, the first written account of the Bathory case. Okay. So, uh, that's the first time that it's ever <clears throat> mentioned physically mentioned somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the truth of that first written account came into question nearly a hundred years after that, when the witness accounts were published publicly for the first time. Okay. So someone wrote the story a hundred years. Okay. So a hundred years past, someone writes the story conveniently after everyone who would have been there is dead. Yes. Makes a shitload of money off of it. Probably. Probably. And then a hundred years after that, the witness records are found and released, and yes. they contradict that first story. Yeah, uh, none of the witness accounts include any references to blood bla- blood baths or like fucking blood skincare rest r- routines. Okay. Like it's just not a the thing. The only proven thing is the blood on the lips as a child. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, and even then, there's some debate as to whether or not she even had epilepsy. There's only a few sources that cite that. Okay. Um, and there's no actual link between those specific treatments and her, her supposed epilepsy. Those are just treatments for the or, time. Uh, oh, okay. I got you. So, I mean, it. it any so of those I'm doing, things could I'm doing be completely what people probably did where I'm like, okay – she might have had epilepsy, and one of the treatments for epilepsy is putting blood What's on this? your lips. So, so she probably did it to... as a kid, and the, yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, the, there's there's no reference to any kind of like blood rituals for her. Uh, John Paget described the. Uh, John Paget was a, a writer. He's an author. Um, described the supposed origins of Elizabeth's blood bathing in his book, Hungary and Transylvania. It's the name of the book, uh, which was published in 1850. Although his, t- his tale seems to be a fictionalized recitation of the oral history in the area. Okay. Um, so it's difficult to know how accurate any of the accounts of the bloodbaths are. Well, so far, it seems like there is no historical evidence of it at all. No. 
Uh, and it's more likely that Elizabeth's most plausible motive for her crimes was for sadistic pleasure, not because she was trying to maintain her beauty or cure her epilepsy. Uh, the epilepsy specifically is never mentioned again outside of her childhood. Okay. Which is either implies that she never had it in the first place, or, I mean, it, it is possible to have seizures when you're a child and then outgrow them and not have them when you're an adult. So that's possible as well, but also kind of disproves that she was trying to use yeah. the supposed bloodbath to cure her epilepsy. The, the, the cons- not the conspiracy, but the theories don't work together. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's essentially the story of, like, the thing i have a little bit more after this it's just, but it's it's mostly anecdotal okay it's just weird that uh that literally like her name is the blood countess when you like you talked about her, you're like the blood countess yeah and that's it's, it's how people refer to it is i know uh, refer but to her it's crazy because like supposedly One that was person, dis- disproven yeah a couple hundred years ago and she's also day, known as one of the most prolific female serial killers but that was there's be... very little proof as to so what how the... many people she killed That's... if she even killed people like so that was going to be my next question i guess because there was never a trial we never know like what her supposed body count is yeah um on the exaggerated front you could go all the way up to 650 plus i guess yeah. um but it that is interesting that she's listed as one of the most like prolific female serial killers. If she was never convicted of killing anybody. Right. I, that's what I find really interesting about her. Like it's, it just, and honestly, like yes, her and like, it's, it's noted that her and her husband and her friend, Anna, uh, like torturing people liked to, to fuck with people in fucked up ways. But, it's also odd to me that like like if she was that into torture and murdering and whatnot why wasn't she downstairs why wasn't she in the dungeon with the accomplices when they were caught you know like granted she wouldn't be there to clean up the scene that's what i i took it as she got done beating the person or she was beating the person while her other servants were making dinner and then Maybe. she pretty much was like cleaning this up while she went upstairs and ate. But devil's advocate here, who says that that she was doing any of that torturing at all? How do we know it wasn't just the accomplices? Or how do you know she wasn't ordering them to torture them while she watched? See what I mean? Like there's there's so many options here, and the fact that she was never brought to trial, you'll never know. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to go into my little anecdotal stuff here just to kind of wrap it up. But, uh, some kind of literary folks, people, people that like to read books and in particular, uh, history, history and, and whatever, uh, some like to insist that, uh, Elizabeth Bathory was the actual inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula instead of Vlad the Impaler. I wonder if it's a hybrid of both. There, I mean, there's no actual evidence to support okay. that. Uh, but because 
people have made that association, that is why she is often referred to as the Blood Countess. Or Countess Dracula is also a, a fairly popular okay. nickname for her. Um, I personally feel like it's more likely that she inspired the lesser known uh it it's a novella it's called carmilla uh by an irish author named joseph sheridan le fanu okay uh it's a gothic novella that he published in 1872 uh, about a young woman who is preyed upon by a female vampire named carmilla who is later revealed to be a woman named countess mircalla karnstein and uh, just for funsies, Mircalla is an anagram for Carmilla. But, okay. Uh, it's gained the, the novella itself has gained a lot of popularity over the last few decades, especially with vampires becoming oh, a like really popular. Yes, like present day. Okay. Uh, especially with vampires becoming like a really popular uh, theme in books and movies and, and everywhere basically. I have a little a little fun fact about that when we wrap up. Uh and ca- the Carmilla character is actually one of the first literary examples of a lesbian vampire who expresses romantic desires towards the protagonist, but it's most notable for never acknowledging that homosexuality as an evil trait. Which it's just kind of, of a trait. That, yeah. And even even then in the book it's extremely subtle the way that it's done and it's almost hard it's it's hardly mentioned in the book itself like it's just interesting so i i thought that was cool and the idea that after her husband died she had this friend that she grew really close to and then which obviously depending on how their relationship might have actually been uh could have been perceived as an evil thing if people thought that they were having some kind of lesbian relationship. Stop that. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it. And then on top of like the inclination to to torture or or fuck with people or whatever, uh, that and just people turning up dead can. I could see where the vampire trope. The lesbian vampire trope would come in. Gotcha. So, what what were you gonna say though? Oh, I was just gonna say like you said in recent decades with like the vampire theme, like it's actually really interesting. Uh, you can you, talk about consumerism. Well, you kind of look not consumerism in general, but just like I guess I don't know. You can look into it. Like stories like this will get revisited because like if you watch the trend in movies and media being done. It's in waves. Mm -hmm. So you'll get like a bunch of vampire movies. Then it'll kind of slow down. Then you'll get a bunch of werewolf movies. Then it'll kind of slow down. Then you'll get a bunch of like uh, disaster movies. movies, Zombie movies. It it hits in waves. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really interesting when like stories like this, every time a new wave hits, more to the story surfaces. But that more that surfaces is usually all bullshit because it's trying to capitalize on that new wave of interest. They're yeah. trying to essentially like sell books, sell, you know, get clickbait on online for stories. Like exactly. you could see an article about her, like being posted about her bathing in blood and all this kind of stuff. And then when you actually like click the article and read it, be like, all oh, these accounts are unfounded. But what I was getting exactly. at it's, just, it's, it's interesting where like, to see that it was almost like that way back. Like, 
you, you had a hundred years that. where the story kind of died down and then they brought the story back up and then it died down Another again and then a hundred years it yeah. peaked again it's it's kind of well, interesting seeing now and then how that kind of stuff happens and it's it's interesting to me because like carmilla was published in 1872 dracula was only published like 26 years after that in 1897 like they're they're super super close together um so it, it could be that wave that wave exactly carmilla could have been like the the start of it and then dracula's like right when it's really peaking so yeah but yeah that was the blood countess that was really interesting i I'm Usually, surprised you'd never heard of that. But then I mean, again, I've always been more into like the vampire lore than than really. Yeah, have, like so. like I've heard. If you had like said her name, I'd be like, I have no clue who this is. Yeah, I've heard of the like the idea of uh, women like bathing evil women bathing and... in blood to stay beautiful. And like I said, we talked about American Horror Story with Ma- uh, Delphine Lalaurie. Yeah, I wanted to say. Uh, Laveau, but that's the other character. Yeah. Um, like you, you hear about that in like myths and stories, but like I had never heard of this instance. Yeah. So it was actually really interesting because this is, I think, besides like your short story episodes, it's one of the first ones you hit me with. I had no clue. I had no frame of reference for. Yeah. Like your short story ones always catch me off guard, <laughs> but the like your bigger episodes with mm-hmm. one topic. Uh, I got so, you with Nanny Doss last time, too. I don't think you'd ever heard of her. Yeah, you're right. You, with you're her. on it. I am on it. <laughs> but. Yeah. yeah. Thought it was a good episode, personally. It actually was. I I, I learned a lot. <laughs> it was really interesting. But thank you guys for uh, listening. Yep. Uh, next week is episode 30. Mm-hmm. We, we, we killing it. Oh, how close. How, oh, it's not. It's not going to be near Halloween. Damn, it's so close. You were hoping it was going to be near Halloween? No. Next week is episode 30, and it's like three or four days before, before your 30th birthday. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> um, but your birthday's on a Monday, so. But we published this on a Friday, and I was born on a Friday. Ooh. So, don't ask me why I know that. <laughs> I was born on a Tuesday. Okay, so but you were born on Christmas Eve though, so it's it's like there's more importance to that day, like you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, if you enjoyed it, you know you know the drill. Like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes, review us on Facebook. Yeah. Follow us wherever you please. You can find all of our links at diantino.simplecast.com. Um, we're always looking for suggestions. Uh, this week, Lindsay actually got ahead of the curve usually we record at about 8 p.m on thursday nights and then i in a scramble to edit and upload <laughs> uh i actually have a lot more time than that this week yeah um but we're always looking for new topics so if you guys have any ideas or have any suggestions please... or would like to hear us discuss anything in particular just to yeah and it doesn't even have to i mean the theme park episode was perfect example it doesn't have mm-hmm. to necessarily be spooky there's also uh just to just to plug it a little bit there's the documentary that I was know. just released and I on it. I didn't even plan that. I know. So if like, you... We did the episode. We finished up the episode. So I, I will say that the basis for that episode exists on another podcast. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've done that a few times, too. Yeah. But it's not like a true crime podcast or a horror no. podcast. It was... Um, I listened to the comedy button. 
which is a group of guys who used to work at IGN. Some of them still work at IGN. But one of the guys grew up in New Jersey, where mm-hmm. Action Park was. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about it on an episode. And they were talking about more in a comedy sense. Like, they were like, I can't believe this, you know, this park was made. So I started diving into it, and that's why I wanted to do the episode. And I shit you not, we got done recording. And obviously, because Google and everyone collects all your information, I had been searching it. I went on some form of social media. I don't think it was Facebook. It might have been Instagram. And not even kidding, as I was scrolling, it was the ad for the documentary on HBO about Action Park. And I believe the the documentary is actually called Class Action Park. I think so. I haven't watched it yet. I really want to watch it. Yeah. Uh, just to see the footage, because they have all the footage. <laughs> yeah. Like, from the commercials mm-hmm. and from the court proceedings. Yeah. Um, so, if you, if you, whether you have or haven't, you know, watched the documentary, you can always shoot back. And if you haven't listened to that episode of ours, it's... Definitely listen. I feel it's like it was different. A, it was an interesting episode for sure. It's definitely different. Yeah. Um. But anyway, thank you for listening. Yeah. And uh, like I said, next week's episode thirty. Don't know. I have a couple options. I actually have topics picked. I just need to narrow well, it down. That's good. It's better than not knowing at all. Yep. So we will catch you next week. Yep. Okay. Love you. Bye.